door, trying to get it tied. Kennedy scores! And will cater in. Shots! He has the crossbar! Kennedy looking center shot. You're listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is Behind the Mask. Welcome to Impact Sports Behind the Mask. I'm your host, Jason Ruff, alongside my partner, Brian Bobel. Brian, good to see you fully recovered and decided to join us back here. Oh, I'm happy to be back, Jason. It's been a long time. Long time. A lot of hockey to get through, too, mm. though. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of stuff to cover here today. We'll recap Michigan State's previous series against the Penn State Nittany Lions, a disappointing series at that. We'll also recap MSU's D1 Women's Club Team Series against the Michigan Wolverines on senior night. We'll also go around the boards, check in on the Big Ten, and we'll do a weekend preview of this weekend's opponent for the men's hockey team, the Ohio State Buckeyes. And also, as a special treat, we'll be going back and forth, Brian and I, as what changes should MSU make, or even shouldn't make, in order to get back on track in the Big Ten hunt. So let's get right into a recap of the Penn State game. On Friday night, the Spartans had a 2-1 lead after 40 minutes of play. They got the first goal in Pagula Ice Arena, which I said was key, very key to get the crowd out of it. The Nittany Lions, however, would tie the game late in the third period, and that really irritated Coach Anastas. He emphasized that particular play that the Penn State scored on and tied the game in practice. He actually told us about about it in his press conference. So, really, you could tell he did not like to give up that tying goal. You could just you could almost feel the the presence mm-hmm. and the power in his face. He did not want to give up that goal, mm-hmm. especially after you've held the lead for. The good part of, you know, you, you got to say probably the good part of, of 30 minutes. They held the game. They held the lead for just about half that game. And then, you know, on a goal like that, you just you just got to shake your head. And I think I think Tom Anastas was right to be irate, to say the least. Exactly. I mean, like you said, what they held the they held the lead for 40 minutes. It looked like Michigan State might be able to nurse the lead the way they did against Ferris State in the GLI. But you know what? What happened? They backed off, they played defense, they didn't push hard, and Penn State, credit them, they didn't give them anything in the neutral zone. No, and that's kind of the thing where Michigan State needs to keep their foot on the gas pedal. I mean, yeah, it's a little different opponent when you're playing against Ferris State because they have had a down year in terms of offense, but when you have Casey Bailey on on the other side of the ice, Casey Bailey, who after the weekend was, or after their game Saturday night, was tied for second most goals in the entire country. You can't you can't sit back and let them take the play to you, and you know they they tried doing it in both games, and we'll get to the other one in a little bit. But this it, the Big Ten is is too good. I think it's too good for the most part that you can score a goal at nineteen twenty seven in the first period to go up two to one, and then say, all right, guys, let's try to batten down and you know, and, and try to squeeze this one out. Exactly. I mean, this isn't Atlantic hockey. No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Moving on throughout the game, the game would eventually go through overtime where the Spartans would outshoot Penn State 5-1 to one in a bid to pick up the three points, but it would eventually go to a shootout. Michigan State winning that one. They go to a perfect 2-0 and oh on the shootout. Brett Darnell scoring the only shootout goal for the Spartans to secure the two points. But, Jason, I got a question for you, though. That game... Was that not one of Jake Hildebrand's best performances of his career in that game? It was. I mean, break it down 
Penn State had 50 shots on goal in that game, not including the shootouts. In overtime, regulation in overtime, 50 shots on goal. And he turns aside 48 of them. And you can't get three out of three points for your goalie. I, I, I don't understand that. Now, to be honest, Penn State is a shoot first, ask mm-hmm. questions later team. A lot mm-hmm. of their shots are very low percentage. They mm-hmm. come from the outside. They come from the center ice or whatever. But you are right, Brian. Jake Hildebrand stood on his head. I maintain that had it not been for Jake Hildebrand, Spartans would have lost that game. I thought they were lucky to come away with a 2-2 two to two tie because their mm-hmm. passing looked awful, mm-hmm. awful, and especially in the neutral zone. I counted maybe one, two complete long passes into the neutral zone. It was it was mind-boggling. When your goalie gets a 960 save percentage in a game, that's what it came out to, 48 saves on 50 shots, 960. You have to get You have to leave that game with three points. There's just no way around it. Even though Penn State is a shoot-first team, Hildebrand was still there 48 times to stop the shot. You know, that's why I, even though they got the extra point in that game with the shootout win, they got, they got the extra point. They got two points and Penn State got one. It almost felt like it was a loss. With that kind of performance, you got to have three points in the bank. There's just no way. There's just no way around it. I, I, I totally agree with you. And you know what I think is very funny, though, or I think is very interesting? That Tom Anastas thinks that for as good as Hildebrand is, he has another level that he can get to. Would that be a nine eighty save percentage? That'd that be game? that'd be super are, goalie are we, are we right talking, there. You know, <laughs> talking no goals. I mean, hey, but he's proved it though. Hildebrand yeah. has proved in his career that he can have games like this. That forty eight saves tied a career high for him. The last time I think was against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Uh, Either I think it was last season where he got 48. But you just look at his his workload, and his numbers are down this year, but I don't think his play has dipped at all. I mean, he it's really tough to a, – a little bit. But, I mean, look at how he was in his freshman year. He was lights out in his freshman year, and it's tough to to keep up that, that sort of – that buildup you get after putting up the numbers that he did. So the expectations just skyrocketed, and I think he's still – at my expectations to how I expected him to be this year. I agree. What's even more scary is that MSU has an equally capable, in my opinion, goaltender sitting on the bench Mm. in Ed Minnie. I'm surprised we haven't seen a lot more of him, but that's something we'll get to on later in the show. Going in the next game. We'll get into the next game. Yeah, we're getting down to the next game here. The game I think Ed Minnie should have started because it was a quick turnaround. Mm. The game that was on ESPNU but was delayed because Baylor decided they mm. wanted to make a game against Kansas State. Oh, the Michigan State Spartans are. Oh, we'll see if we can. Uh, we'll see if we can make the people wait for that one. Oh my of god! Teams. I was texting you saying Baylor is finally getting their revenge mm. on Michigan State by keeping us from watching the hockey game. That's what I thought too. I said, of course it's Baylor. I, I was losing my mind in my dorm room, like start the game already. I was losing I was losing my mind because it took ten minutes to take five seconds off the clock in that basketball game. Oh yes. Yeah. I turned yes. it on, there was five point two seconds. I'm like, all right, how long can this take? Thinking, all right, you know, it's a, it's a two point game, so I figure this is gonna go on. I mean this might the hockey game might get over before this. And you know, you have all the timeouts. It's just it's it's too much. Thank goodness hockey gets it right one timeout apiece. That's all you need. The problem with basketball, it takes it takes five minutes to get through the last thirty seconds mm-hmm. if it's a close game. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's nuts. But anyway, getting back to the game. Itself. But we eventually did get to see the game, right? Yes, 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 yes. Eventually, the game came on. 
Penn State came out flying in the first period, getting on the board first. They got on the board less than five minutes in. However, William Haig, and mind you, no one saw this on TV because of the basketball game. William Haig would eventually tie the game up, his second point in as many games. Finally, William Haig starting to get on the score sheet. I've been wondering where the heck he's been. Two goals on the weekend. Who would have thought that he would have just come out of nowhere? Yeah, that was his first goal in over a month, over a month and a half. You know, so this is what one of the things that you know you and I talked about that they needed. They needed to get Hag Egg on the board, and maybe Tom Anastas needs to just tell Hag to envision the other team wearing Penn State sweaters, wearing those gray those Penn gray. State. I liked those, by the way. They're, I thought they were pretty good. I liked them. I I didn't love them and thought, no. oh my gosh, that's a great uniform. No. But I liked it. What I mainly liked about it was the can, uh, they used the Canadians format. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and I like that. I like that mm-hmm. a lot. Anyway. I thought, I thought those were, were very good for a third jersey. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, going on, the Spartans would eventually open up and take the lead in the final seconds of the first period, same as same as the night before, courtesy of Captain Mike Ferentino, got a awesome goal. And do you see that sell he had? I I, nice. I that was that was great. Yeah, you know, I think he might have took it up a notch because John Butcher Gross was doing the play by play for for ESPN. <laughs> Butchie loves to to talk about the sellies. Uh Casey Bailey on his fifteenth of the season had a pretty nice selly after his breakaway goal, which that was a really rough play for Carson Gatt. Yep. at the blue line on that play. And and Casey Bailey, when you have the nation's second-leading scorer bearing down on you, it's it's a tough break. Who would have thought Penn State would host the nation's second-leading scorer? <sighs> and and yet he's he's an unsigned free agent. Nobody's drafted him. That's going to change after this year, I, I, I guarantee you. Nobody, you can't afford to see a guy play the way that Casey Bailey plays. But, you know, Michigan State, again, the second game in a row, manages to have a lead after the first period. Which is something that you know everyone was saying they need to get a lead, and you see what happened in the second period. What happened in the second period was the Spartans again fell back. Penn State continued to take it to him, forcing Hildebrand to stand on his head, and eventually, Penn State rattles off four unanswered goals, two in the last five minutes of the second period, two in the first five minutes of the third period, four unanswered. That would basically seal it for the home squad as the Penn State Nittany Lions would go on to win 5-2, to two, pick up the three points, and with that, the first place ranking in the Big Ten, their first ever as a program. Yeah, that was a huge, that was a huge learning lesson for Michigan State. You're up, you're up, and, th- and that was a huge game. If Michigan State could have picked up the three points in that game, you're looking at it, the standings will jumble around a little bit more. But four goals in just uh, about seven seven twenty ish. Four goals in just over seven minutes is just not acceptable. No, it's 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 not. That was when, honestly, I thought that uh, Tom Anastas should have went in when Hildebrand gave up the goal to Taylor Holstrom a minute and thirty three into the into the third period to make it three to one, or no, uh, four to two. I mean, that's when I thought. Tom Anastas was going to look down his bench, look at Ed Minnie, and give him the nod to go in. I I thought he should have definitely. I thought Ed Minnie should have should have started. I mean, he was a quick turnaround time. You're in Pennsylvania, which is also Ed Minnie's home state. Hildebrand might be a little tired, which rightly or wrongly could be a logical assumption. Why don't you give the freshman some playing time in his home state? In 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 
Anastas' defense, it's also Jake Hildebrand's home state. That's true. And with the way Hildebrand played Friday night, why not give him the reins on Saturday? I, I, I fully back him starting Hildebrand in both games. I don't back not putting Mini in at any point in that game. I felt, you know, maybe, maybe even you should have put Mini in after the second period. You know, just just to get the guys going because they looked like after Michigan State went into the break up two to one, it just seemed like they just looked inept. Yeah, you know, for lack of better words, they looked inept for the most for the last two periods of that game. Yeah, and I was sitting there watching the game, thinking, okay, Michigan State's down three to two, going into the third period. This is an opportunity for them to really bear down, take tie the game, take the lead, and come out and win the game. This is an opportunity for them. But after that first goal. You could just tell they phoned it in. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Series stats total. MSU was outshot in those two games 90-65. to 65. That is no joke. Penn State registered 90 shots on goal in those two games. Granted, they are, like I said earlier, a shoot-first, ask-questions-later team, but still 90, 90 shots on goal. William Haig, after previously being completely quiet, registered two goals and one assist on the weekend. And, of course, as earlier stated, Penn State unveiled their new gray alternate uniforms on Saturday's game. Yeah, uh, it, 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 just thinking about that game on Saturday, or that Saturday game, though, William Haig, maybe this could be it for him. Maybe he'll finally, you know, get with the program and, and start to be a contributor on a consistent basis. You know, the 65 shots on goal on the weekend is, is great for this team. The 90 shots against, not so much. But talk about this. you got to give some love to the special teams, though. The penalty kill was perfect on the weekend. Eight for eight, the PK was. And the power play, one for seven? I'll take that. I mean, you want you want to get around the two for seven spot, but eight for eight on the PK was phenomenal, especially against a high-octane Penn State offense. Exactly, and it's, and I <clears throat> excuse me. I agree with what you say about William Haig. Maybe this could be it for them. Remember, William Haig led all freshmen last year in both points with thirteen and goals with mm-hmm. eight. So far, he only has four goals, so he needs to get on the horse. He's one of those guys Michigan State needs to get on the horse. He might have caught the uh, the Matt DeBlau stop, uh, sophomore slump there. Perhaps. Yeah. I think you that can't, was you can't have that. No, you not, can't. Not not with your returning leading freshman score. You can't no. have that. Mm-mm. No, and that's part of the reason why the team has struggled to score goals. Exactly. That's it. Just underperforming from a lot of people, a lot of key players. So let's go now to our back and forth here. We're at the point of the season where Michigan State hockey people are saying one thing, people are saying another thing of what they should do or they shouldn't do. Brian, I think it's time we have this conversation about Michigan State hockey about what 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 should they do? What that should what should they do? They're four games under 500. As of right now, they are not in the Big 10 race. That could change after this weekend, but it couldn't. They could either go up or they could go down. And they have a very tough slog coming up ahead of them. What should they do? But let, and let's first talk with the obvious question here, the question that when I talk to people about Michigan State hockey, it's the question that always comes up without fail. It always comes up. Should Mark Hollis be thinking about a leadership change? Brian, you say no. Let's hear why. I say no because you have to understand 
about, you have to understand what the process is. And we are now four years into Tom Anastas's change of the team. See, I give him a pass the first couple seasons he's a coach because he's taking over. Not they, They're not his players on that team. Now we're starting to get all of Tom Anastas' recruits coming in. And I think at this point, firing him sets the team back another four or five years. I really do. And the team has shown improvement. We'll exclude his, his Anastas' first year where they made it to the NCAA you know, when when they made it to the tournament, because I mean, on the back of Tory Krug, most 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 that, that 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 team made it to the tournament on the back yeah. of Tory Krug. So like we'll we'll said. exclude that, and we'll start with with his second season. Since his second season, they have shown a considerable amount of improvement. They have gotten better. Their goal production has gotten better, albeit it doesn't get it. It's a slight improvement. But a slight improvement is still an improvement. Fair I think enough. I think they're one of the better defensive teams in the conference, and that's been a staple for the last couple seasons too. I I just I don't have any reason to believe that a coaching change at this point would do enough good for this program. I think it'll do more harm than good. Okay, just to play devil's advocate here, <clears throat> what do you say to the people who inevitably say, you know what? It's been four years. Tom Anastas' hiring was an experiment. Can we not just say the experiment has failed and move on? No. What do you say to those people? I say you gotta you gotta give it time. It doesn't it doesn't get fixed within the time frame of three years. It doesn't. I mean, you, there are drastic examples of teams that just rapidly flick it on a switch, but realistically, it's not possible for this team. They need to start recruiting better. That's that's the one thing they need to do better. I agree. They need to recruit a lot better. That comes down to Tom Anastas and company. But I don't think Tom Anastas is directly to blame for everything because he's drafted some highly skilled players that just are not performing. You, you can't blame the coach. You really can't blame Anastas for someone just forgetting how to score. You can't coach goal scoring. That's the thing. If Michigan State could find goal scoring, you see their record when they score three goals. It's darn near. It's pretty darn impressive. Forty-five. 40, Forty-five and six, I think. Forty-five, they, seven, and five. Forty-five, seven, and five when they score three or more. That that tells you if they can put the puck in the net, this team is fine. Now, maybe it's the system. The system might not be. Right, or maybe we're still just waiting for the better recruits to come in from Tom Anastas. That's that that those are my two cents on it. I, I really don't think a coaching change would be appropriate at this point. I think you gotta you gotta buy into the system and realize, you know, we, we use this a lot, as Tom Anastas uses a lot, but he says, you know, can we turn the corner? I think they are right at the corner right now. I honestly think that they are they are a year or two away from being an elite college program again. I really do. That's a that's a very <clears throat> excuse me. There's that's a very interesting point, Brian. And I share I share a lot of your thoughts. I understand. I've been going back and forth on this for, geez, it seems like forever. There are plenty of data points to suggest that 
that would justify a, a leadership change. Like you said, the recruiting. Michigan State was the only Big Ten team that was not represented by a recruit in the USHL All Prospects game. Every single school, Michigan, Minnesota, Penn State, Wisconsin, Ohio State, all those guys had at least one prospect in that game. Michigan State had a big whopping zero. And I agree with you. He needs to do better, in, I think he needs to do a bit better in recruiting against the Michigan Wolverines. Because if you look at the commitments Michigan has, they're stacked. Yeah, I. a lot of it, I mean, though, a lot of it plays into a lot of the prestige of the school. Red Berenson, legendary. He's legendary. You know, it, it, that's part of it. I agree. And you also have to remember, and there's also the argument that, yes, Tom and asked this Michigan State, the Big Ten is an all-star league in terms of coaches because you have Don Lucia at Minnesota, Red Berenson at Michigan, Mike Eves at Wisconsin, and mm-hmm. Guy Godowski at Penn State. Those are all all-star coaches with tons and tons and tons mm-hmm. of years of experience. I mean, Red Berenson just recently celebrated his 800th victory. Tom Anastas doesn't have that firm of a pedigree. So I understand the justifications. And quite honestly... If Mark Hollis came out at the end of the year and said that they're going to go in a different direction, I wouldn't be too upset with it. Now, that being said, I do not believe that a leadership change is appropriate at this time. And I cite two reasons. First reason comes actually kind of courtesy of uh, Hondo Carpenter. I was listening to the Spartan Nation radio and they had Tom and Astis on. And Hondo brought up a very good point. I got to give him props for this. He linked this year's team for Michigan State hockey, he linked this year to Mark D'Antonio's 2009 season, where Mark D'Antonio had a lot of his guys, but not all of them. They were still kind of struggling to learn a system. It was not the best year. But the next year, in 2010, when when Coach D had all of his guys, they were able to run his system. They, They were able to play football the way Coach D wanted to play football. Look what happened. They win a share of the Big Ten championship mm-hmm. back before they had the uh, championship game I agree with that it's there are a lot of similarities to hockey and coach Anastas fourth year he has a lot of his recruits that are on that are on the ice for him not all of them he still has that senior class and a bit of the juniors that are not his guys and they are struggling that's that's the elephant in the room the hockey team is struggling but next year it's going to be all of his guys mm-hmm. that were brought in that were recruited no matter how good they were, they were recruited to play his system. And this coaching staff has shown that they can develop players. Joe Look Cox, Michael Ferentino. Michael Ferentino. I'd throw in Mackenzie McEachern. He's mm-hmm. found a whole nother gear. If he mm-hmm. finds the next one, look out. Mm-hmm. So I agree that this year for Michigan State Hockey is very close. And I agree with you. It seems like they're right on the corner. Maybe a little bit farther back than mm-hmm. you than right on the corner, but Fair they are enough. very close. Mm-hmm. And And – Another thing I want to bring up, um, you mentioned all the, the all-star coaches. I'm looking at Tom Anastas's career coaching uh, repertoire, if you, if you would say. One year at the helm of UMich, UMich, University of Michigan-Dearborn. One year as the head coach. Two years assistant coach of the Spartans in the early 90s, 90 to 92. And this is just his third, you know, this is the fourth year behind the bench of this team. So let he needs some time to sort of develop his own reputation because look at who, just look at who he has to fill the shoes of. 
all the historic coaches that have been through Michigan State, Ron Mason, Emil Besson, you know, you got to give him time. You can't you can't pull the plug. I think if, if they would fire him, I felt like it would be a move the Edmonton Oilers would make. <laughs> I really do. I, it would make me think this team is like the Edmonton Oilers. I throw in Mont- I throw in uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, but mm. well, whatever floats your boat. Maple Leafs, Oilers. <laughs> you know, uh, point being, you don't pull the car, you don't pull the rug out from under the coach's carpet when he's only been there for four years. I agree, and I'm on record for saying for saying this as well. Coach Anassis, when he was first hired, said five years. Mm-hmm. It's gonna take five years to get this program back. I am all when when someone says. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get it right. And for the most, Ananasis has done everything right. He has brought the students down the glass. He has put in the Jumbotron, the Jumbotron at Mon and all that stuff. That was Anassis pushing that forward. He has brought back the script jerseys. He has done so many things since 2011 when he took over. I'd argue that if you could, if you'd compare Michigan State in the later years of Rick Comley and Michigan State now, and just in terms of program, not necessarily teams, but in terms of a program, they wouldn't be recognizable. It wouldn't be recognizable. Mm-hmm. So Coach Anastas has done that, but he also said it's going to take five years. Mm-hmm. I'm all for giving someone five years if they say that's what they are going to do. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, if we're having this discussion five years from now, I may change my tune, but. And I'm sorry, that was three years he was the coach of UM Dearborn. Three, three years. years. But still, he's a, he's pretty he's still a young coach. Yes. Yes. In terms of experience. He's I, still a very yeah. young coach and he needs he needs support. He needs people to back him up and say he need the best case scenario would be for for Mark Hollis to go up to him and say, We're still sticking with you. We're we're buying into your strategy. We're buying into your approach. We're buying into your 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 motives, you know, your your philosophy. That would be the best thing for Tom Anastas, I think. Besides a winning a winning record, obviously. <laughs> but you know, I, that's why I say maybe next year we'll have a different opinion on what the problems are for Michigan State. Exactly. After after his his quote unquote five year plan is up, then it then it'd be better to say. Maybe, maybe yeah. not. But but here's the second reason why I say it's not good for a leadership change at this time. And this is the biggest reason. When you go for a leadership change at a head coaching position, regardless of the sport, you are taking a risk. You're taking a risk that the guy you can get in to replace will, at worst, take one step back and then take two steps forward. Mm-hmm. Or, at best, maybe take a half step forward and then multiple steps forward. The thing is, there's no logical successor no. available. I mm-hmm. mean, it's not like Brady Hoke and University of Michigan when they knew oh, yeah. Jim Harbaugh mm-hmm. was likely going to be available, so Michigan put all their efforts into that home run hire, mm-hmm. which is the hire they needed. It was the logical hire, and credit Michigan, they hit the home run. The only logical successor I could even possibly wrap my head around, Danton Cole, mm-hmm. He's it's not the same situation. Cole is the head coach of the U.S. National Team Development Program. He's been having a ton of success over there. Plus, his program is moving into a brand, not necessarily brand new, but a new ice arena in the Compware Arena in Plymouth, Detroit. Mm -hmm. So he's moving out of Ann Arbor, so he's upgrading a facility. Yeah. Now, 
that's not to say Michigan State could possibly pry Dan Cole away from the U.S. National Team Development Program. I mean, look, that's how they got Ron Mason. They pried him away from Bowling Green after he had a lot of success there. I'm just saying I don't think it is worth the risk. No, no. Because if, in my opinion, if you don't get Dan, Danton Cole, who are you going to get? I mean, all the other good coaches at the quote-unquote lesser programs, Michigan Tech, Ferris State, those guys, those guys are all locked in. I feel I, I I have a trouble I have trouble seeing them possibly leaving the place where they're at right now and having a good amount of success and coming to Michigan State. Just the odds of that are small. So likely Michigan State would likely have to go with an unknown or someone completely out of left field. I think it's it's not justifiable of the risk to possibly put the program, like you said, Brian, back two or three years. Mm-hmm. And also just one thing going for Danton Cole. The man did win a Stanley Cup with the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, I, I knew you were going to bring that up. That's, I mean, anytime you could bring in someone who has that kind of experience and, and that kind of hardware would help. But I, I wouldn't say at this point. I, I down the road, like like I said before, maybe if 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 Anastas's five year plan doesn't work, maybe give give Danton Cole a call. I'm trying to think of some of the other Spartan alum who could be. You know, you have not that if you want to talk about left field, you I was thinking of Rod Brindamore, see what he's doing lately. <laughs> Can you That'd imagine? But Rod Brindamore currently is uh is uh, part of the Carolina Hurricanes organization. Don't know if he'd be willing to jump back to a collegiate level to coach, but talk about an intimidating coach if he was your coach. Oh yeah. Based on how he was when he played at Michigan State. Or Anson Carter. There you go. That's an idea. A name I've heard floated around a little bit is um, Gauzdecki, former coach of the Denver Universe, um, DU Pioneers, mm. won back-to-back national championships with them. I believe he's currently an assistant coach in the NHL right now. I forget for which team, but maybe that's a name you'd float around. Could be on Hollis's list. I, I think that'd be an interesting hire if he could, if that would work within the athletic system that Michigan State has cultivated here the whole kind of family system and he's not a prima donna but that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> for a whole nother time do i think danton cole is on top of hollis's short list for a hockey coach yes yeah do i think hollis needs to whip out that short list at the end of this year no no Mm-mm. and now uh, speaking of uh george guadzecki it looks like he is a part he is an assistant coach with the tampa bay lightning oh that's what it was. Talk about a team that's on a tear. It'll Ooh, be yeah. tough to get them. To, to, it'll be very tough to get them. Like, to, like you said, low low risk percentage. Yeah, yeah, very, very low risk percentage on that. Right. So now that you and I both agree that Anastas's coaching job is safe and that there should be no change in leadership after the end of the year, let's continue on. System change. Passing at Penn State looked terrible, especially through the neutral zone. Long passes. It was either ahead of them or it was either behind them or it was in their feet or they couldn't catch it cleanly. I mean, it looked horrible. Yeah, it was It was, It was. was really, uh, I thought it was really put under the microscope on Saturday, being on ESPNU national audience. You know, I, I don't think a system change would be right because if you look at the, the personnel on this team, if you change, say you wanted to change it and make it more of an offensive system, 
You want to turn into a kind of a Penn State, right. you know, running gun, you know, just take the shots at the net. They don't have the personnel to do that. I think with the personnel they have, this system is the right system. And it really is. It really is the right mentality just play, to play strong defense and capitalize on your scoring chances. It really is. But for some reason, whatever the reason, people have not been able to flourish in that system. They haven't been able to flourish for whatever reasons, whether it be you know, confidence issues or just lack of skill. It's tough. I don't think maybe, again, this will be just like we said with the coaching, in my opinion. Maybe if it doesn't work out this year and the rest of and all of next year, maybe you got to think something's got to change. Maybe we'll try changing the system before the coach. I, I, it's it's such a tough question. It is. It really is. I, I think the system in place is, is a good system right now. I really do. Funny that we bring this up because it was actually brought up in the press conference, in this week's press conference, and Anasta said, funny, also funny that you mentioned Penn State, that because he told, he told the press that he looked at a system like Penn State multiple times and had a lot of conversations with his coaching staff as to whether or not they should maybe implement some of the styles. So, and of course, he's decided a little bit against that. So it's not like Coach Anastas is completely oblivious oh, yeah. to he, the yeah. Penn State style. He has looked at this he's style he, multiple times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. And But I agree with you. I don't think, I think there are some things that Penn State does with their system that are admirable and that work for a team that doesn't have the explosive firepower that Michigan State does. But I think complete, and they admit there may be a couple things that Coach Nastas could implement, but at the same time, I don't think that adopting the system entirely would work. No, no. Maybe take bits and pieces. Bits and pieces wouldn't be a bad thing. Like short passes out through the neutral zone. Yeah, that, that's the main thing. You can't, you, against a, against most teams, you're not going to have success throwing the puck around the way Michigan State has in the last two in the last two games. I mean, it was the same thing against Michigan in the Great Lakes Invitational. Uh-huh. Michigan State could not get any sustained offensive pressure, and that's why they lost the game. That's why they've lost all the games they've most of the games ninety percent ninety percent. That's why they've lost ninety percent of those games. Exactly. So Brian, let's talk a little bit more about Ed Minnie because. He's your star backup. He was had it not highly been for touted. highly touted. Had it not been for Josh Jacobs, he would be the star of that freshman of this freshman class. Absolutely, uh, I could I could agree with that. Yeah, he, arguably Car- Carson Carson Gat could make uh, make an under the radar uh, exception yeah, to that. Yeah, but you know what? Under the radar, I say though. Edmund, he should have been drafted, but he wasn't because of an injury. I don't believe Carson Gat coming in his freshman year should have been drafted. Yeah, I, I, he, I, yeah. He needs more seasoning. Yeah. We'll yes, put it that way. So I, I've i told you multiple times, and I've said it multiple times, I'd like to see Ed Mini play a little bit more just to see the freshmen get the freshmen some reps and also to generate a little bit of a competition between the goaltenders because, as Tom Anastas has said, if Hildebrand has another gear... Competition will get him there. Competition will get him there. Mm-hmm. So why not? I, I, I think... Something yeah, I think something has to change with the way the current goaltending system is has been run. Every single minute of regulation play that's not that's not including the uh, exhibition game against the USA development team. Every single minute of this season, 
Jake Hildebrand has played. Every single minute. You can't be successful. You really can't. Having just run running him the whole time. You have to sometimes a shakeup is necessary. You gotta throw in someone else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to get Hildebrand's game back on, which really, outside of the game Saturday, uh Hildebrand's game has been pretty good lately. There there were some games that I have issue with Hildebrand, the BC game being one of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a couple other and maybe one or two others. So, but so it's few and far between. Few and far between, I agree. But I understand you want to keep Hildebrand in a rhythm and you want to keep him going. You want to keep him at that elite status. I get that. But no matter who your goaltender is, he is going to get tired eventually. Uh-huh. And 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 not only is he going to get tired of – is he going to just going to get tired from playing so much, the guy on the bench is going to be tired from not playing. He's going to be tired not playing. You know what I'm mean? he I think if you don't start Ed Minnie – at least once this season, you run the risk of a very low risk at this point, I think, but there's always that risk of him jumping ship. Uh, because I... if you think about it, if you think about it, Hildebrand is going to play almost every game the rest of this season. That's his junior season. What's going to happen senior year? If Hildebrand keeps playing this way, I wouldn't think it's it would be out of the ordinary to see Tom Anassis give him just about as many games as he's given him so far. Yeah, but if you're at many, though, you have to reason that in his last two years, he is going to be the un, the 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 100% starter. But are you going to want to sit for another full season? You know, that's an interesting question, and I'm not a goaltender, so I... Knowing I, that there are plenty of other programs that would love the services of Ed Minnie and would play him a lot more than he's playing right now. I just think... It's an it's a it's a possibility, I'm sure. I think it's a very low one, mainly because as a freshman you don't expect much playing time, especially if you have an established goaltender. I'm sure Coach mm-hmm. Anastas told Ed Minnie, you are gonna spend ninety nine percent of your freshman year getting ready, getting up to snuff. Which is so far has turned out to be Which 100%. so far has turned out to be hundred percent, I agree. But I think mainly the reason I have a big a little bit of a beef with Ed Minnie not getting more starts is it's just a wasted resource. Yeah. You have a resource mm-hmm. on yep. beside, and if you let that goaltender competition, who knows what happens if Ed Minnie reaches to that 100% elite status, reaches that level that Hildebrand might not be able to get to. Who knows? Maybe Ed Minnie's an even better goaltender than Jake Hildebrand. No one knows. You'll Case- never know until he gets into the net. No, we won't. That's why I was, I was very, very surprised, and I was kind of disappointed that Ed Minnie did not see any time in that game on Saturday. I agree. And I'll, I'll leave this point with this. Both times the Chicago Blackhawks went to the Stanley Cup and won it, it was that season's backup goaltender that got them there. Antti Niemi was the backup to, uh, what's his name, the French goaltender. Cristobal Huey. Cristobal Huey. Cristobal Huey, thank you. And Corey Crawford was the backup to Marty Turco, I believe it was. Yeah. Yeah. Or did they get rid of him by that point? Uh, twenty thirteen. You're talking about uh, Corey Crawford 13. was the thirteen. Corey Crawford was the starting goalie. Was I could have sworn? Nah. He had. Uh, I think he had Nikolai Hobby Bullen as the backup. That's right. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. 
That's right. It was the, the year bo- before. The Boolin Wall. Yeah, it was the year before. That's what I was thinking about. It was yeah. the year before that Crawford was the backup, and I thought, okay, mm. Crawford's going to lead the Hawks to the cup, but it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. But no, first cup the Hawks went to. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for fact-checking me there, yep. Brian. First first cup the Hawks went to, it was the backup Cole Turner that got them there. So mm-hmm. I think you should play play Ed Mini a little bit. I think you should get a starter, too. I, re- I really do. And... Unfortunately, it's it's tough. It real as a head coach, you know what you're gonna get out of Hildebrand. It's tough to gamble, especially when every point is coming at a premium right now for Michigan State. Every point is so valuable. Do you risk, you know, putting in the freshman goalie who has no experience playing in a tough conference like the Big Ten? Do you do that? I don't think I don't think you can. I I agree, but if it comes to the point in the season where yeah, Michigan State is five, six, seven games under five hundred, which could happen. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm. I hope it doesn't, but it could happen. At that point, you've got nothing to lose. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I just think it'll be it'll be a disastrous season if if Minnie does not see any time. I. It'll be a waste. It'll be a waste. It, like I said, waste of resource. And finally, a little bit other, other here. Is there anything else you think Michigan State could possibly do? Besides what we've covered, score more goals. Score. Well, besides that, that that that's the obvious. Nothing really. I uh, uh, just that's it. They just gotta find their confidence. That's it. It really is. I put. I will put forward one more thing here, and got this from the press conference. Coach Anasta said, "I asked him why his team can't close out series, and he said first words out of his mouth were he be- that he be- He's he wonders if success comes too easy for his team. That said a lot. That tells me that there are guys that unfortunately there are guys in that locker room who are okay with picking up three points or getting a shootout win in a weekend. And if they pick up that shootout win, they regard it as a success and they'll be able to be okay the next night. See, those are the type of players you need to bounce out of your locker room as quickly as you can. Either that or you need to go all Tom Izzo on them, yeah, which I yeah. think which something needs to happen here. I don't know. Now, no one knows who these players are or what class they are or whatever, and quite honestly, I don't want to know because I don't want to be able to name names. Mm-hmm. But I think Tom Anastas needs to channel his inner Tom Izzo <laughs> and really get on the guys that, are showing a little bit of satisfaction say, hey, for Michigan State, this is not acceptable. You need to be hungry. You need to be ready to take five or six points every single weekend. And if and if Michigan State does not take five or six points every weekend, it is a poor weekend. We'll find guys that will be more committed to achieving our goal that are sitting in that are not playing. They're, those guys that are sitting, I'm sure, would love to come in and play over a player who is just content. You, you, that's the one of the worst things you can have. I agree. Is a mentality when your team is is below 500, being content with an average game and you get average results. I think that is. I think that content mentality. I think that is the biggest thing. The the absolute. Biggest thing. It's not the scoring. 
It's not that not is, the that, is that is a virus in the locker room. That is the biggest thing it that really is keeping is. this program from turning the corner. Mm-hmm. And I think Tom Anastas needs to find something. Now I know Tom Anastas isn't a Tom Izzo like character. No, he's he's a very he's a very person personable. He's a very friendly guy, and that has its strengths. But I think with these in these particular situations, he needs to find his inner Tom Izzo and really say, look, you can't be sad. If you're going to play, you cannot be satisfied where this program is at right now. And also remind these guys every single night to be hungry. If you don't win the game, you're not satisfied. Yeah, sometimes, you know, a tirade is exactly what a team needs. It really is. Like a, a tirade will just shake your team down. You know, if you have the right, uh, if you have the right leadership and the right attitude, a tirade by Tom Anastas would do it. Or maybe Ferentino. I mean, he's the captain. Or someone, because when the Devils were in the conference finals in 2000, down three to one in the series against the Flyers, their coach Larry Robinson ripped into them after Game Four at home. And what do they do? They come back and win three in a row to win the series in seven games. Not to say that it'll be a miraculous uh, situation like that, but it shows you what can happen when a coach, and Larry Robinson, I feel, is a very soft-spoken, you know, a, a very Tom Anastas. I see some like, similarities in their personalities. If Tom Anastas goes in and rips them, rips into almost anything that's going on with that team, who knows? They might respond from it. If they, if, if, he does something like that and they don't respond, then you know it's a personnel issue. It's an attitude issue and you can't do you can't do anything about it except get you know get them out. Which is another reason why it'll be beneficial especially for next year that Tom and Asses will have pretty much close to 95 if not yeah. over 95% guys yeah. that he has yes. brought in because mm-hmm. he he knows that that's the mentality he wants mm-hmm. and they have the mentality that he wants that they won't be satisfied. Mm-hmm. They want to win games. They want to sweep series. They will stop at nothing to sweep series and beat opponents into the dust. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, they need it. They need it. They need someone to step up and 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 do that. Some that? someone's got to step up and say something. That's it's really all. It's really all it is. Or say something more often, whether that be the coach, yep. whether it be the captain, or whether that be yep the backup goaltender. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Why not? So that will. Do it for our back and forth now. Let's get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Let's go now to the women's hockey recap. Oh, the women. Oh, oh boy. Oh, boy. Yes, we were we were at the game, folks, and uh, we took in both games. It was interesting. So on the first game on Friday night, it was senior weekend, the last series that the senior girls of the Spartan women's hockey D1 club team would ever play at Monterina. The Lady Spartans faced off against their rivals from Ann Arbor, the Michigan Wolverines, on senior weekend, as I said. It was the last series the seniors would play at Monterina. Michigan would go out in front less than a minute into the first period. It was a very quick goal. Michigan really jumped on the Spartans early on in that game. Yeah, it was before you could settle into your seats. It was already one nothing. Before I could get my notepad yeah, out to write. Yeah, I was really. Like, oh, wow, Michigan I was writing scored. down the names, and it was already one nothing. However, the Spartans would get back into it in the second period. The Spartans churned out two unanswered goals, one on a penalty shot. Both goals were scored by seniors. Yeah, the fir- uh, first that penalty shot goal by Maddie Van Antwerp, who was our first of the season, 
And it was a beauty. Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. A little, forehand, little forehand, backhand, roof, uh, you know, top shelf. Right up there where Mama hides the cookies. It was a wonderful <laughs> move. My goodness, it was a good move. But unfortunately for them, unfortunately for Michigan State, only one goal would follow by them. It looked like they had it in the bag, though, didn't they, when they were up 3-1 to one in the third period? Yes, yes, Michigan State would follow up that two-goal stretch with another goal early in the third. And like Brian said, it looked like the Spartans had the game in the bag. However, late in the third period, penalty trouble led to a U of M two-man advantage and, an, and a U of M and a Michigan empty net. So the Michigan Wolverines had a three-man advantage, and they capitalized scoring three unanswered goals in 98 seconds to win the game 4-3. to three. That the key to that, though, Jason, was when Michigan State took those penalties, Michigan had a 10-second 5-on-3. They had 10 seconds before the first penalty was up, and they scored 9 seconds into that power play. That was the key to that comeback, I think. Getting that goal where you still have a 6-on-4 advantage after you drop the puck instead of a 6-on-5 advantage really, I think, really did Michigan State in. Talk about being opportunistic. Oh my goodness! It was, it was one of the one of the more astounding comebacks I've seen in a long time. Agreed, definitely agreed. We talked to Coach Wilson after the game. Coach Wilson, get this little bit of psychology going on. Coach Wilson made the girls listen to Michigan sing the fight song "The Victors" as motivation for the following game. I thought it was a very good move by Coach Wilson. That should do it. I definitely think that should do it. Yep. However. I don't know if it helped much in the second game on Saturday on Sunday, excuse me. After a scoreless first period, there was lots of goaltending prowess by both sides. MSU struck the first goal of the game midway through the second period. After that, it was all Michigan as the Wolverines quickly rallied with five unanswered goals and the Spartans just couldn't respond for the rest of the game. The Spartans would end up to lose that game 5 to 1 and get swept by the Michigan Wolverines at home. This is their third straight loss for the Michigan State Spartans, who previous to this were unbeaten. Yeah, so they've 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 fallen back to earth pretty quickly, and that was uh, that was a real tough game. That was another game where I thought there should have been a goaltending change. Quite frankly, Maria Barlow played very well despite the loss uh, on Saturday, and I just thought for whatever reason I thought that Julie King should have been taken out of that game, and Maria Barlow should have gone in. Both are seniors, though. Yeah, both so. are seniors, and yeah, you got to get your taste of senior weekend, but at the same time, you got to win hockey games. I agree. I agree. Michigan State falls to 13th in the rankings. Michigan moves up to, to number 10. The Spartans are off this weekend before taking on Ohio State the next weekend. Mm-hmm. So let's go now around the boards, going back to men's hockey. We'll check in with the entire Big Ten Conference and give you the rankings. In first place in the Big Ten with 16 points is the Penn State Nittany Lions coming off of their recent win against the Michigan State Spartans. This weekend they will play a non-conference series at Northern Michigan. So that should be an interesting. Penn State just gained the number one spot, then they will be idle in conference play. Yeah, that'll, that'll that'll give some other teams a chance to catch up in terms of conference games played. Exactly. The Nittany Lions are 5-2 and 1 in conference with an 11-7 and 3 overall record. Nipping at the Nittany Lions' heels with 15 points is the number 16 
Michigan Wolverines. They will be active this weekend. They go on the road to Madison to face off against the Wisconsin Badgers. It's a Wisconsin team that can surprise some people. They got a shootout win on the road against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. So perhaps Wisconsin can pull a rabbit out of their hat and maybe upset them, the Wolverines a little bit. I, I'd say uh, two points at most from Wisconsin in that series. I, I, I'd have to agree with you. Michigan, the Wolverines currently on a 5-1-0 streak. And get this, a 13-7-0 overall mark. I'm telling you what, Jason, Zach Hyman and Dylan Larkin are just playing out of their minds right now. Larkin, uh, Hyman for that matter, now has 29 points in 20 games. And now Larkin has uh, 25 points in 18 games. They're, they're just carrying the load. It's crazy. It's, it's amazing what some good recruiting can do for you. Exactly. And and to say they were that good when they had a lot of their players out for the GLI and they still went in and won it. It's... Beat a very good Michigan Tech team and then an up-and-coming you know, Michigan State team who always plays them tough. Look out. This team is the real deal. Yep. Arguably, in my opinion, the best, the team to beat they, I think in the they Big are Ten. the team to beat. Yep. Definitely. And like you said, Dylan Larkin, a number one draft pick for the Detroit Red Wings. Mike Babcock, can you just call this kid up? He's too good. Yeah, he he's uh he's too he's, good. he's doing too good at this call level right now. Call him up. He's Jeez. definitely got a bright future ahead of him. Oh yeah. At in third place though, is with eight points, is the number seventeen Minnesota Golden Gophers. They will play in the North Star tournament this weekend against number one team in the nation, Minnesota State, and the winner of number seven, Minnesota Duluth and Bemidji State. So a chance for the Gophers to possibly move up in the rankings should they beat Minnesota State and beat a Minnesota Duluth squad. Yeah, that's a very big weekend for them because they've kind of been very up and down lately. And you know what? They need to get more production out of some of their guys. Justin Clues, you might need to see a little more out of him. You know, not exactly a stellar season for him, but when you have Mike Riley and Kyle Rao, it's, it's... they're still a very dangerous team. I think there's a good chance that they they win. I don't know if they'll beat Minnesota State, but I think Minnesota State is due to fall out of the rankings. So Minnesota might, you know, muster up enough uh, oomph on the, in the locker room to get the job done on that one. I think they'll come away with a win at some point in that tournament. I don't think they'll come away with much more, though. I think the Mavericks are the longest team to hold the number one spot yeah. this year, considering how it's been at Carousel. Yeah. So, so you see, you see, it's their due. Exactly. So the Gophers are two, two and two in conference, eleven, seven and two overall, with seven points. However, the Minnesota Golden Gophers are idle in Big Ten play again. So a chance for Michigan State to. To move up, all they need is two points. Exactly. Speaking of Michigan State, in fourth place in the Big Ten with seven points, just behind the Gophers, is the Michigan State Spartans this weekend. The Spartans will host a series with Ohio with the Ohio State Buckeyes. Michigan State one, three, and two in conference, seven, eleven, and two overall. Right behind them with six points is Ohio State, coming off a brutal beatdown at the hands of the Michigan Wolverines. Seems like they're taking their football woes out on their hockey team. Mm. Michigan won that game in Columbus 
ten to six. Yeah, that definitely weekend. definitely looks like more of a football score. At first, I had to I had to think twice and, and be like, wait a minute, did I did I mistype the search on that one? Did I miss uh, did I misread what sport I'm watching? It's crazy. Anyway, the Ohio State Buckeyes will travel to East Lansing for a series with Michigan State. The Buckeyes are two four and zero in conference and share Michigan State's overall record seven eleven and two. And finally. With two points at the bottom at sixth place in the Big Ten, the Wisconsin Badgers, they host the number 16 Michigan Wolverines at the Kohl Center this weekend. Possibility, again, for the for the Badgers to maybe make a little noise. They're a team that has been surprising some people, but then they get blown out the next night. Yeah, yeah I think that's uh, it's a little too tall a task for the Badgers this weekend. I think so. They, they, they might come out with a point or two. That's why I say my 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 limit is two. I think on that on that on that uh, weekend series. I I'd, I'd have to agree with you. Definitely, definitely a sweep alert for the Michigan Wolverines. They smell blood in the water again. The Badgers 0-3 and one in conference play. Yikes. Two thirteen and three overall. So at thought? this point in the season, who would have thought Wisconsin would be in last and Penn State would be sitting up top? No one. I, I honestly could not have I, I couldn't have how how could someone have figured that I, out? How I don't know. Could, how could oh man. I think I think a lot of people expected Wisconsin would have some difficulty. I mean they yeah. wouldn't be the top team in the Big Ten. But I don't think people predicted them to be as no. bad as they are. No, no. I think people most people predicted Wisconsin to be kinda like Minnesota's and, right now. Knows they can yeah. be good, but has their and, problems. And I think Penn State, people are thinking quite the opposite. They're not going to be super good, you know. They're not, gonna, but you know, they won't be super good, but they'll be, you know, pretty average. They'll hang in the middle. And this team is just on fire right now. I mean, Nittany Lions host the second. I'm sorry, have the second leading scorer in yeah. college hockey. That helps. It helps, folks. Having a goal scorer helps. Believe it or not. They are jumping around and very happy in Happy Valley. Let's go now to our final second, Know Thy Enemy, as we preview Michigan State's upcoming series against the Ohio State Buckeyes. It's in their first official home action of the new year. The Spartans head into a very important series against the Ohio State Buckeyes. The last time these two teams met in Columbus, both teams taste victory with each one taking home three points in the Big Ten standings. With only two points separating the number five and the number three team in the Big Ten, this weekend offers an opportunity for both teams to move up in the standings. While the Buckeyes average close to three goals per game, Brian, they give up an average of three and a half goals mm-hmm. per game. Three is the lucky number for Michigan State. The Spartans are 45-7-5 and five when scoring three goals or more under Tom Anastas. So when Michigan State lights the lamp three times, they usually win. Yeah, this this honestly, this is a make or break series for this team on this season. If they cannot come out with six points or five out of six at worst, that's all I'm gonna say. That's their the ceiling is six and the basement is five. They have to come out of here with five or six points or they are in serious trouble. It's not gonna be a race. It, it, yeah, they're done. They're goodbye Those- to to somehow hoping to get to catch Penn State and Michigan at the top. Good luck to that if they can't come out with five or six points. Exactly, because if they come out, let's say, with four, if they come out with, say, let's say, with four, Michigan State will be have 11 points against Minnesota's eight, so they will move up to th- third place. But that's only a three-point differential between Minnesota and Michigan State. 
plus you're going into Michigan week. Yeah. Or Michigan two weeks because yeah, because of the outdoor game in the Arena. You know Michigan's going to win one of those. Yeah. If an uh, a pessimist would say Michigan could probably sweep. Yeah, a, a pessimist or a realist would say Michigan could very easily take at least four points out of that series. I argue five, but and so Michigan State would not be safe in that third place position. They would drop almost mm-hmm. eventually. Yep. Now whether or not Ohio State would give them a rush or give them a a, a battle for the fourth place position remains to see to be unknown. Mm-hmm. Because both teams still haven't faced Wisconsin, who's the bottom, who's the Big Ten bottom feeder. Ohio State still has to play a couple of hard series against Minnesota, so. It'd still be too early to tell, but I agree with you. If Michigan State doesn't get five or six points, then they're not going to be in the race. Yeah, it, it's 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 done with them. Then I I really really think they're they have they don't have any other option. They really have to get five or six. Unless either Penn State or Michigan all they of tank. a sudden just drops. And they yeah that's that's it. If if they can't get five or six, then their only hope is to have the teams in front of them start to tank, which is just not going to happen. Because Minnesota's going to make the top three. They're they're that good. Yeah, they they're are. That good. They're not going to go a down the two. A rocky season for, for Minnesota is still top three in the conference. Exactly. So they're going to be top three. Michigan's likely going to be top three because they are just rolling like a two. juggernaut. They're top two right now, I'd, I'd say. I'd argue one. Penn State, you're, it's a little unknown. Yes, they've had their very highs, but they've also had their lows. So yes. they're the little bit of the unknown. They are the big X factor. They are. But in order for Penn State— or I'm sorry, for Michigan State to hop into that top three, you'd have to have Penn State slide tremendously. I don't see the Nittany Lions, basing off what happened last series against Michigan State, I don't see the Nittany Lions dropping more than two games in a row. The only thing, the one thing Michigan State has going for itself right now is that, yeah, Penn State is first in the conference with 16 points. They've also played two more games than everybody below them except for Wisconsin who they played four more games. Right. So if if this is where the sweep comes in, the five of five or six, Michigan State wins, sweeps this series, they get six points. Now that's 13 points. Now you're looking at a three-point difference. Then you're two behind Michigan going yeah, into that series. You're two behind Michigan going into that series, and you also have Penn State on your ice now. You have Penn State. The next time you play them will be on your ice. Right. Those and, the yeah. week the weekend after the yep. o- the outdoor game. So it, it's this is why this weekend is pivotal. It exactly. is pivotal. So well, they have to play like it is pivotal. There cannot be any content. If they win the first game, Michigan State cannot be content going into the second game. They have to bury the dagger. I say because, yes. like you said, Mich- let's Michigan State gets six points. They're two points behind Michigan. Which going to that week that makes that Michigan week a lot easier. You just have to hang with the Wolverines. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't have beat to them. sweep. You have to at least equal their equal or you know hover around. Them. Get about two points yes. out of the four. Yes. To stay in the race. Yep. Penn State will be idle, so that provides an opportunity. And plus, if you get six points, that gives Michigan State thirteen points. That's a lot easier entrenchment mm-hmm. in third place. Because that's five points ahead of Minnesota, who will also be idle in mm. in conference play, so that forces Minnesota to chase you. So I, I I agree with you. Pivotal weekend for Michigan State. If the Spartans can, by some miracle, get five or six points, 
they can not only get themselves into the third place spot and somewhat entrench themselves, but they can also possibly bury Ohio State into the bottom half, pretty much condemn them to the bottom half of the Big Ten. I was just thinking that. They could really, really put a dagger in Ohio State, and it'll also, if they could sweep, it might give this team some 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 injection of momentum, you know, some, some good feeling, because they really haven't had a super good feeling weekend. No, they haven't. All season. It's been splits. It's been splits or they get swept. It, it's just... They need to feel good about their game heading into this point in the season, and getting six points will definitely do that. I agree. Not only, also, just to add on to this, not only is it a chance to exercise the deem to finally <laughs> exercise the demons mm-hmm. of last year, mm-hmm. but it's also a chance to get, like you said, a sweep. Last time Michigan State had a sweep was about this time last year. Yeah, against Penn State. Mm-hmm. So, pivotal weekend for the old. For Michigan State Spartans. There's a couple personnel question marks. Matt Barry, who has missed the last six regular season games for Michigan State, seven if you count the exhibition. Coach Anasta said there is a chance that Barry could play in this week's series. However, Coach Anasta said it was too early to tell for certain. Carson Gatt is questionable for this weekend due to a longstanding injury that he has been dealing with, as is Johnny Drager, who is still recovering from concussion sy- symptoms suffer from a concussion, suffered last weekend. Hopefully at least one of those defensemen will be able to play because it'd be really hard for Michigan State to lose two D-men. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the biggest series of the season to date. So they need they need as many healthy guys in the lineup. And Matt Berry, uh, he, for what he brings, you want to see him back in the lineup. But I think the message is the message to the team might be more important than the results in this weekend I agree. for Tom Anastas. I agree. If, I mean, if Barry is there mentally, you want the skill he brings. Yes. You want the skill he brings. Only if he's there mentally. I Yes. Only if he's there mentally and he's not going to do whatever he did, which is currently unknown at this time. So let's now go to our keys for Spartan victory. Brian, what do you think? Oof. Number one. Own the special teams. Own special teams. Keep the penalty kill as you know, keep the penalty kill strong. Get the power play working. That's my big. That's number one. That's a big one. Number two. Keep the foot on the gas pedal all game, all sixty minutes. That's it. You know, that's that's. It's easy to say. The players have to do it. Number three, you have to play a full. 120 minutes this weekend, maybe 130. It depends if they go to overtime or not. But they have to play two complete games, puck drop to the final horn or goal if it goes to overtime or a shootout. <laughs> if they if they do that and not be content if they win Friday night, they could come out with six points. Keep William Hag. That's number four. Number four, William Hag needs to show up again. So I got four now. You cheated a little bit. Yeah, I, I add that up because that's another big one. William Hag needs to needs to stay on the score sheet for Michigan State to win this weekend. I agree with you, but I thought we agreed we'd only get three here. Yeah, well, I, I kind of missed last week, so I, I had a couple all right, layovers. All right. all right, fair enough. My three. Number one, bring out the big guns, and you need them to produce. Guys like McEachern, Cox, 
Ferentino, Barry if he plays. Those guys need to come out. They need to put points on the board. Yep. William Hague, too, to piggyback on your point. William Hague needs to continue what he's doing. This this may be where he starts breaking out and starts scoring goals like crazy. It could be. It needs to be for Michigan State. They need William Hague to get in the offense. And if he can't snipe pucks, he needs to go right to the front of the net because he is a big body. Yeah. He needs to go right in front of that net and make life difficult for the Ohio State goaltender. Number two, score three goals. Like you and I said, when Michigan State <laughs> scores three goals under their, Tom Anastas, their record's good. Their record's good. Odds are they win. Don't score three goals, not so good. So, simple. Score three goals. Light the lamp three times or more. You might say more because uh, Ohio State shows uh, has shown that they can play a run-and-gun shootout game. May not win, but I got to say, scoring six goals against Michigan is pretty impressive, well, even Mich- though you gave up four more than they did. Michigan's been having goaltending problems left and right, though. Let's yeah. be honest here. That's true, they, but Michigan State only scored one goal on them. That's Well, they ran into a very hot goaltender yep. that game. And finally, my last point. This is probably the biggest point. Do not be content with anything. Nope. You score two goals and you have the lead. Don't be content. You want more. Make it three. Make it four. Make you it five. Three, make it whatever. Four. Make it more. If you win on set on Friday night, don't be content. Go for the sweep. Put the dagger in the heart. I don't care what they need to do to get this team to get in that mindset. They just need to do it. They cannot afford to be content. They need to go for the throat. They need to go for the kill. That's it. That's it. Five or five or six or or bust. That's that's. I'll give them. A little leeway. Five out of six is almost as good as six out of six. Four out of six is unacceptable. Five out of six is a sweep, in my opinion. Yep. Yep. Well, that will do it for us here. Thank you for joining us on Behind the Mask. I'm Jason Ruff. I'm Brian Bobel. Stay cool, Spartan Nation.